Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today our scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. These are Jesus' words to his disciples shortly um, before he is to go and be crucified. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, Lord, may they be acceptable to you. Lord, we pray that you would teach us, that you would bring to remembrance, and that you would bring forth your peace in this world of fear that we live in. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. What are you afraid of? Um, That is not a a hypothetical question. I'm actually asking you, what are you afraid of? And I want you to text me what it is that you're afraid of. So that's my number on there, 918-212-4942. Um, text me what it is that you are actually afraid of. If you're watching this online, even if you're watching it later, I'd love to get a text Monday evening with just some random fear from somebody, all right? Um, So go ahead and and send that to me. What is it that you're actually afraid of? If I'm going to ask you that question, um, then I feel I better answer it as well. And so what I'm afraid of is clowns. I know know some of you are, uh, I hear you laughing at that. And there are others of you who are secretly like amening. I'm like, yeah, me too, all right? Um, I don't know why I um, am afraid of clowns. I don't know when that started. I did like Bozo the Clown. Um, I thought Bozo was good. I liked watching him and the grand prize game. That was good. Um, but, but clowns are certainly something uh, that, that made me um, afraid. One of the little-known facts, uh, I said, told this to the earlier service, um, but I actually do not ever remember getting my face painted because that would remind me of a clown. And I did not want to come close to reminding myself of, of a clown, and so less, uh, so I don't want to get my face painted. So if you ever see me at a carnival or a fair, and you're like, Aaron, do you want to get your face painted? That's just rubbing salt in my wound, okay? All right, um, so let's, uh, let's see here. Um, let's see what we have. Wow, we have a lot of, of different stuff. Um, all right, birds. There's a few of you that don't like birds, okay? Bugs that fly at me in the dark that I can't see. Um, One person says nothing. Also sharks. Um, Snakes, snakes, snakes. Uh, There is is a lot of of stuff. One person said, I'm afraid you're going to make us late to the Chiefs game at noon. Um, (laughs) um, Let's see here. Pooping myself at work again. Uh, not what I was expecting, but um, um, all right. Um, let's see here. Um, somebody's afraid of whales. That's a new one. 
Um, we, have some, uh, we have some more serious ones, being unloved, unseen, unimportant. I'm afraid of death and losing my dog. Afraid of, of the dark. I'm afraid of something bad happening to, to someone I love. Um, there, there's still a few more coming in. Crimson and cream. Um, <laughs> Uh, my, my favorite one in the earlier service was Cheerios, um, which makes me want to just walk around with a Cheerio box and see who gets startled um, with uh, Cheerios. Uh, we're afraid of, of, of some things that are, you know, we can laugh about and other things in there. We're, we're pretty serious, right? Failure, feeling unseen, feeling alone, afraid of, of death, afraid of, of being hurt. Um, fear is such a regular part of my life. Kids, I invite you in box one to, to draw something that you are afraid of. And so we have some, some normal kinds of fears and some deeper stuff. Now what happens when we get afraid is we have a, a response to it. And we used to think it was just two things, but it's actually three things. is that we can either fight or flight or freeze, all right? And, um, and so if you ever watch America's Funniest Home Videos, that's something we like to do as a family sometimes, sit around and watch America's Funniest Home Videos. Sometimes they'll do that montage of people being scared, right? Um, and some people really scare easily, so it's a lot of fun. But my favorites are when the person who gets scared attacks the person who scares them and just punches them right in the face, right? Like I, every time I'm going to laugh at that, right? And this is what happens, is that when we get afraid, we either, we either, we either fight, we run away, or we freeze like a deer in the headlights. Now, um, for most of the time, what I do when I get afraid is that I freeze, all right? Um, and let me tell you an example of this. I may have told this story to you all before, but because I don't remember if I've said it or not to you all, I don't think you'll remember even if I said it, whether or not I told it to you, all right? I've been here long enough, I might start recycling stories, so just nod along with me, okay? So here, um, when, when Micah was about uh, two years old, um, he was the only kid that we had. We were going swimming at a hotel pool. And so as we, as we went there, we were going to put on his like, um, life jest when we, when we got to the poolside. And so we went down off the elevator and we came walking in. And we had all of our swim stuff on, but we also had all the stuff you go down to the pool in, right? And so we're walking, and I have one hand, and my wife Heather has the other hand, and Micah's in the middle of us. Well, when we walk into the pool room, he gets so excited that he breaks free from our hands and just jumps right in the pool. He can't swim. He's just excited about water, pool. This is wonderful. So what do I do? I stand there like this. Just freeze. You know, and like I don't even know what to do. Yeah, that's, that was my response. What does my wife do? She's a fighter. She just jumps right in. Gets him, picks him up, he's fine, everything is good, but that's what we do, right? Sometimes we jump right in, sometimes we run away, and other times we just freeze. Now, we live in a world that, that, that is so much controlled by fear, is that, is that everything, one of our strongest motivators is when we're afraid, is when we're acting. That's when we'll actually do something is when we're afraid. And so, so the world tries to keep us afraid so that we keep responding and we keep doing stuff based out of fear. And here's what we know is that fear can be a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. If you are on 152 and you hear a horn honking, all right, it's okay to be afraid because you know you may need to do something right away. That is actually helpful. When you live your life in a constant state of fear, when you continually walk day by day and you are afraid and you're anxious and you're nervous 
and you're wondering what's going to happen, that is not the way that God wants you to live. God did not design you to be dominated by fear. In fact, 365 times in the Bible, it says either do not fear or fear not. One for every day of the year, do not be afraid, fear not. Do not be afraid, fear not. It's almost as if we have to be reminded of this message day after day. And one of the things we know about fear is that fear is made worse by isolation. It's that when we feel alone, that fear is even worse. Because one of the things that we do whenever we experience fear is, is that we look at somebody who, who should be okay and to see if they're okay or not. I don't know if uh, last week, if you were here, we had a situation in which a, a lady um, passed out in service. Um, she's okay. She was at the early service. She made it all the way through. Um, she was really embarrassed about what happened. But um, one of the things that my staff pointed out to me is they said, Aaron, you had a look of panic on your face. Um, and so, uh, and I didn't intend to do that. I had never had anybody pass out in the middle of service before. I didn't know what to do. There was this, there was this moment of, of panic. You saw it in my face, and so this fear elevated, right? But whenever I knew that this person was being well taken care of, my face was able to come down, right? And that helped, hopefully, assure you that things were going to be okay. When we are alone, we don't have anybody else that we can check to see. Should I really be afraid, or am I just reading things wrong? And you can only imagine how important it was for Jesus and his disciples, for them to know, because they always could look to Jesus to see how things were going on. You know, there's that story of how the disciples were on the, the boat and there was a big storm. And uh, these are people who are professional fishermen. They have been in storms before, but they were afraid. And what was Jesus doing? But he was sleeping. And so they, they woke up Jesus and they're all panicky, but Jesus wasn't. And he got out to the end of the, the boat and he said, peace be still. And he calmed the wind, he calmed the rain, and he calmed the waves. There was this peace that Jesus brought everywhere he went. Now, he knew he was going to be leaving his disciples, but he did not want to leave them with nothing. In fact, he had a plan for something even better than Jesus, because Jesus can only be in one room at one time, but the Holy Spirit that he was leaving is available to each and every one of us, so that you and I are never alone, and that we can always look and trust in the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture says these words, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, last week we talked about this word that is translated helper, it's sometimes translated counselor or comforter. Really a good description of that is the ultimate friend, that the ultimate friend the Holy Spirit will be with you. And this is what we need. We need somebody who is with us, but who will also tell us the truth. Yes, you need to be alerted that something is happening. There's a reason you're responding. Or no, do not be afraid in this situation. You can trust me. Now, what it says here in our scripture is the, the ultimate friend does a couple of things. It says he will teach you all things. The ultimate friend is constantly teaching you throughout life and throughout your journey. It is always whispering to us what it is that we need to know if we are listening. And a big part of the teaching of the ultimate friend is that the ultimate friend will remind you of what it is that Jesus has taught. It said, it will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
I remember hearing a story from another pastor. He was a, a chaplain at, the, at a college at the time, and um, when he was there, all of a sudden he got a knock on the door, and there was a lady who he had never seen, who he had never met, who was wanting to come and talk to him. And so he invited her to, to come in, and um, in there she told him the story, that she was just at the edge of a bridge, and she was at the edge of her rope. She didn't know if she was loved. Life seemed more than she could handle, and she was ready to end it standing there. But all of a sudden, she heard a voice say to her, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. That voice both comforted her and puzzled her because she didn't know where or why it came from. And so she got off the bridge, and she went to the chaplain's office. And so as he was there, he was talking to her, and she said, I don't know why I heard that. He told her that it's from 1 Peter, and um, it's part of our, our scripture. Um, she says, well, I don't know how I heard it. I don't read the Bible, and I don't go to church. I don't know why that came to me. And he said, well, did you ever go to vacation Bible school with a friend? Uh, no. And she said, I did, go to I did go to church with my grandparents when I stayed with them over the summer for a couple weeks. And he said, that must be it. That at some point in time, while you were there with your grandparents in worship, you heard the words, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance something that she didn't ever know she knew. This is how the Holy Spirit will do. It will remind us. This is one of the things that's so important for us to do is to have the word of God in our hearts. Why do we think it's important to say the Bible matters here so that we can remember the words of God when we need the truth of God? So that we have these scriptures in our hearts and in our heads that we can remember God's goodness and faithfulness. Because in the midst of fear, in the midst of anxiety, we don't remember very well. And the, the noises around us are noisy. You know, one of the things I, I like to say is that fear yells while peace whispers. The voice of fear will yell, yell, yell. I was talking to somebody at the late service and they were saying, you know, social media, I just... I just go, and it just feels like it's just so much. There's so much anger and fear. Just doom scrolling is what we call it, right? And there's this yelling that is always happening. There's an urgency. There's an anger. But peace whispers to us. The voice of truth is trying to break in. Do we give God space? Do we give the Holy Spirit space to be able to listen to us? And so kids in box two, I invite you to draw a picture of God whispering his truth to us. Because fear does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says these words, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so the fear is not the way that God is trying to change our hearts. But love, hope, peace, presence, that is the way of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to be people who take in the word of God so that we have it with us. Because I do think that a lot of our fears that we have, not necessarily of snakes, because in the Bible, snakes talk, all right? Um, but of other things that, that the stories can remind us. If you feel unloved or unworthy, maybe you feel like you aren't good enough. We have the story of the prodigal son, that God explained the father this way, that he is a loving father, and that there was once a, a father who had two sons, and the younger son came up to the father and said, basically, I wish you were dead. I just want the money that is due me for an inheritance. And so he, he took his money, and he ran, and he ran as far away from his dad as he could, and he did everything his dad would not want him to do. 
It says he squandered his money in wasteful living. And he found himself at rock bottom, which for him was sleeping and eating with the pigs. And when he came to his senses, our scripture tells us, he thought it would be better to be a servant at my father's house than it is to be sleeping with the pigs. And he, he remembered enough that his father was good to his servants. Maybe he could be that as well. And so he began this long journey back. And as he was beginning his journey, I can only imagine that he was reciting his apology speech. What am I going to say so that maybe I can live with my father again? And maybe that's what you've done is is you've thought, man, there's no way God's going to love me. You've recited your apology speech. You've prayed it in your head, but you haven't really prayed it to God. He knows, by the way, but you haven't said it to him because you're afraid you let him down. You're afraid you're unworthy. You're not good enough. But what our scriptures tell us is in that story, while he was still a long ways off, the father was looking for him. And when he saw him, he came running after him and they embraced and they hugged. He killed the fattened calf and they threw a party because his son who was now lost is found. If you ever feel lost, you can be found. We remember these words of Jesus. Maybe you have failed Jesus. You aren't the first The disciples did so. There's a guy by the name of Peter. He was one of Jesus' main disciples. Jesus, in fact, said, on this rock, I will build my church. Peter said, even if everybody else falls away, not me, I'm never going to let you down. Never going to give you up, right? A few of you got that. I'm not going to go any further. (laughs) But he did. Three times people said when Jesus was being arrested, Aren't you one of this man's disciples? Don't you follow Jesus? And Peter was like, no, no, it's not me. The rooster crowed. Maybe you remember the story. He felt defeated. He felt he had let down his friend in his moment his friend needed him the most. Maybe that's been your story too. But Peter's story doesn't end there and neither does yours. Because if you're afraid because you failed Jesus... Later in the story, after Jesus is resurrected, he has a conversation with Peter, and he asks him three times, do you love me? Giving him a chance to say yes to Jesus for every time he said that he denied him. Maybe you are afraid of death, afraid of pain. We remember that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He can raise somebody from the dead. He comes to heal. It is his will to heal. Throughout Scripture, we have example after example of when Jesus is present, people get healed. That was one of the major parts of his ministry, was healing people. And he can also raise and resurrect. And because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, we can trust and we can believe and we can hope that even if we do die, that death is not the final chapter, but that there's a much more glorious chapter after for those who believe. Death can be scary. The unknown can be frightening. But God's goodness and love, he has overcome death as well. The voice of the Holy Spirit is whispering his truth. Do you hear it? Can you put your phone down long enough to listen? Can you sit in solitude and silence for a little bit to say, Lord, can you speak to me? Can we open up our word of God And say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What can we do? 
the scripture that we have today goes on. It says these words, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now you hear it, it says a few things here, um, but I really want to focus on that last little bit. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now in a couple chapters later in John chapter 16, Jesus tells these, this word to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But here he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And I think that sometimes we, we get some of what God is doing in the world confused because we don't understand some things. And we've got a couple of phrases that we use that I believe are true, but we don't always understand what they are and what they mean. And so for this, I need a little bit of help from um, The Princess Bride. Maybe you've seen this uh, movie, but there's a couple of phrases that we use, and I think I've got it on the next slide here, um, where it says, you keep using that word or phrase, all right, I don't think it means what, it, what you think it means, all right? And I think there's some phrases we use as Christians that I don't think it means what we think it means, and I want to address those. The first one is this phrase we use. I've used it. You probably have used it this. It's God is in control. What, it was, what does it mean that God is in control? Now, we use this often when the world doesn't make sense. We want it to make sense. And, and, and we use it because we have to believe as Christians that, that if something happened that God had to have, has to be in here somewhere, what does it mean for God to be in control? And sometimes we can think that that means that God is the controller. All right, let me give you kind of a, an extreme example, but there is a school of theological thought, not that we practice as Wesleyans or United Methodists, um, but is that it's kind of this idea of predestination and ultimate determinism. And here's what that would mean, that if I walked up these stairs and tripped and fell, that that was something that God had designed for me to do from the beginning of the world until now. There was nothing that I could have done to have avoided tripping up the stairs. It was just my time to do that. All right? Now, that is one place. Let's take it out all the way to its logical extreme. When, when planes fly into buildings, that's God the controller. When your loved one passes away, that's God the controller. When a pandemic spreads, that's God the controller. All these evil things that happen when children get abused, that's God the controller. I don't believe that. I don't believe that God is the cause of all these horrible things. So what do we mean when we say God is in control? I use the word controller because when I was... I, I was working on my sermon. I looked on the ground. It wasn't supposed to be on the ground, but the Xbox controller was on the ground. And I thought, you know, as a controller, I control what I do in the game. And is this what God is, this great puppet master or great controller determining what you and I do? And I just don't buy that. In fact, I don't think that's how we understand God is in control. Instead, God is the game designer who has set the rules and the regulations and the standards of the game so that you and I, as individuals of free will, that we can navigate it as well as possible. Now, imagine if, if the game designer was uh, kind of cruel. There's this game called Minecraft. I know we've got some Minecraft fans in here. Um, and you can apparently turn on and off gravity on Minecraft, and so you can fly. Imagine if God did that. You know, just all of a sudden, we're floating right? Now, maybe that would be fun in some situations, but what if you've been, what if you're outside and you have nowhere to go and all of a sudden God turns back, turns the gravity back on and you come down, right? In fact, gravity is not designed to hurt us. It's actually designed to help us, right? So that we are down. But what happens if you say, oh, the rules of gravity don't apply to me? 
God is in control. He's not going to let me fall. I'm going to jump off a building. We know how that's going to work out. Gravity is designed to help us. God is the, the game designer who has, set us, who has set us up in a world in which we have free will and we have the ability to choose right and to choose wrong. Why do bad things happen in this world? Because people choose wrong. People choose death. People choose destruction. People choose evil. People choose to say the wrong things. That is not God's will. But in a world of free will, those things happen. But there's also in this designed world, there are ways in which God brings forth goodness, right? So in the great Minecraft, if you eat, you rebuild your strength. It's the same way in this world, right? Some of you aren't as good when you're hungry, all right? So you eat, you rebuild your strength, right? This is a way in which God has designed the world. There are some times in which God may give you and I a cheat code, a miracle. Something will happen. We were lost and boom found. We were blind and we can see. Sometimes those things happen. Other times, God gives us a walkthrough guide. Uh, there are times, so as a family, we, we're, we play Super Mario 3D World together. There have been some times we have been stumped as to where the last star is in this level. If you haven't played it, you've got to find these stars. It's very, very important, okay? So, so what do we do is we Google, you know, whatever level we're on. And then we see these stars that are there. And so then we can enjoy um, and we can find it and we see the path. This is what God does for us. It's he's given us pathways. It says, your word is a light unto my feet and a light unto your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. He will show us the way, the next few steps, and help us to walk in it. This is it. And so when we say God is in control, we're not saying God is the controller. We're saying God has designed the system for us to thrive. Sometimes good things happen. Sometimes bad things happen. All right? But we get to be agents of free will and work towards the good. God has the ability to redeem everything. And so when we say God is in control... We believe that God can redeem anything, even the worst things. And ultimately, what God wants to do is to walk with us in this world. And so as like I mentioned, we play this 3D world as a family. Now, I am not playing this so I can stand up and say, hey, we've beaten the game, y'all. Congratulations, all right? Nobody cares if you won a video game. Nobody cares if your fantasy football team won, all right? There are these things that people don't care about. But the reason why Heather and I play it with the boys is not because we want to win a video game. It's because we want to be with our boys. Presence over achievement. In this world, we're so focused on achievement and outcomes when God just wants to be with us. Now, another thing that we say is faith over fear. Now, this is something, again, we want to be true because we don't want to be people who are dominated by the fear narratives that are all around us in this world. We want to choose to believe that, that God is in control, but sometimes this can be misconstrued, all right? Because I guarantee you, if I told you to cross 152 today, all of you would look both ways and then you would cross. You wouldn't say, God's got this and I'm just going to walk across the road, Right? Same thing. I, I, some people say, I believe God's got this, but I still use oven mitts, all right? There's always this element that we all choose of how we're choosing to interact with this world that can be dangerous from time to time. Faith over fear is not about those kinds of things. 
We will experience fear. You will experience fear. We have to know how to navigate a fearful world. But because we're so outcome-oriented that when we have our prayer requests, we say, God, I want you to heal X, Y. I've already figured it out. Heal X, Y. Or sometimes we're going to say, God, I need this to happen. I want this to happen. And our goodness of God, how good we believe good God, is, depends on the outcome that you and I receive. And so if God gives me the outcome that I want, I'm going to praise God. But that's not from the scriptures. It says, in this world, you will have troubles. To me, that means your outcomes won't always be the way you want them to be. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. It's about the inside, not about the outside. God can't have good outcomes, but what he wants more is good inward experiences. That no matter what you go through, God is with you in the middle of it. That's what faith over fear means. It doesn't mean that we're so caught up in being protected or in having our will done. It means that we are living lives of love in a dangerous world. And so our purpose in living is not to be protected. Our purpose in living is to love. And love is a dangerous and risky act. If outcomes were the goal of our life on earth, then our disciples then Jesus didn't love the disciples that were with them. Eleven of the twelve were martyred for their faith. Their outcome on this earth was terrible. They experienced persecution. They experienced suffering. They experienced loss. But they kept the experience of the Holy Spirit. It's not about what happens to you. It's about what's inside of you. This week, as we were talking about this scripture Kay Nix, who's our minister of prayer and care, she said, well, that sounds like Sherry Cooper. Sherry Cooper was her mentor, her friend, and somebody who just had faith, no matter what was happening to her. She believed and trusted that God was in her and with her, even when the outside circumstances weren't what she wanted. And so there was a, a time in which they had this um, great little natural spring. And so they turned it into a place where people could come swim and could come play and just a place for people to be. What a great hospitality thing to do. You have this gift on your land and you open it up to others. And so there was a slide on there and they had a note on the slide that said, do not go down head first. It's, too, it's not deep enough for you to go down head first. There was a, a gentleman who, even though he saw the sign, thought apparently the rules don't apply to me went down the slide head first, and was paralyzed. Tragedy all the way around for his family, but also for Sherry Cooper. Because what happened is, is that even though they had done everything right, they had done the hospitable thing and opened their land for people to come and play. Even though they had put a sign of warning, they still got sued and still ended up having to settle that lawsuit. The way that they were able to settle that lawsuit was that they had to sell most of the property that they owned except for their home and another small piece of land. That's not fair. That's not right. Where was God in the midst of this? Was, was she afraid? No, she trusted that God was in her, not just around her. And so sometimes the world gets its day. Sometimes life isn't fair, but God is always good. And God is with you. It's about who we become, not necessarily what happens to us. And so Sherry Cooper and her husband, they never lost faith. 
They still came to church every Sunday. They still tithed, even though their financial situation was changing dramatically. They were still believing that God was for their good. And they were still being an inspiration to others. You see, this is faith over fear. That even if the worst thing happens, God is still with us. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's for you. Do you believe it? There's lots of things in this world that we can be afraid of, but fear is a liar. Jesus, the voice of truth, is for us. John Wesley, who's the founder of, of United Methodism, he, his last words were these words, best of all, God is with us. No matter what happens to you, no matter your outcomes, no matter what happens around you, God is for you, and the Holy Spirit is with you, and you can have peace that passes all understanding if you'll just be still and listen for peace. And so I'm going to invite you to a time of prayer, um, and then we're going to sing the song, Fear is a Liar. You may have heard it on the radio. You may be familiar with it. We're going to invite you to just sing and let it wash over you today. If you know the words, you can sing along, but if not, just let it be the song you need to receive today, not just sing. And so let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.